This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. His shots are awful. <laughs> his positioning is terrible. He can't volley. He can't do a long shot. He can't He can't get close enough box for a header because it's not his position. And he's going to try anyway. And one of these days, this man is going to actually get a goal. And I will lose my mind. It will be the greatest Absolutely. moment in team history. Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast, brought to you by Pacific Lutheran University and Libro FM. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, an American teacher abroad. If you are like me and are a fan of the Seattle Sounders, the last 10 days have been a pretty, pretty gloomy time. Uh, the Sounders went to their fourth MLS Cup in the last five years and got smacked by the Columbus crew, who are the 2020 MLS champions. Uh, I am a pretty vociferous consumer of podcasts, uh, in particular podcasts about the Sounders and about American soccer, and I have listened to none of them the last 10 days. Basically, every time one comes up on Spotify, I'm like, play as red, because I don't want my nose rubbed in the peace spot of our defeat. That said, uh, I think I'm coming out of my grieving period, and I'd like to have a conversation not just about MLS Cup, but also about like the Sounders year in general. And so today I'm going to be joined by Dave and Carol. Uh, Dave and Carol are the former hosts of Hands Free Footy. Hands Free Footy was a local soccer podcast uh, that covered American soccer and MLS in particular. And what I loved about Dave and Carol was is that they are Sounders fans, but did not want to have a Sounders podcast, but always ended up basically having a Sounders podcast, if that makes sense. And so Carol, to me, is one of the best analysts and viewers of the game out there. And Dave has an encyclopedic encyclopedic knowledge of uh, football minutia and stats and like events. And so I decided to invite them on and we're going to have a great conversation about the season. In the episode, we're going to recapitulate and kind of talk through what happened at MLS Cup and kind of figure out where the Sounders went wrong. We're going to talk through some of the moments of the year from the MLS season. We're going to name our players of the year, and we're going to end the show with some superlatives, some awards. But first, some brief admin. I want to thank you for downloading the show today. Uh, if you're enjoying the show and enjoy what we do here at Channel 253, I'm going to ask you to consider joining uh, Channel 253 as a member. Memberships are $4 a month and $40 a year. If you are a member, uh, I'm going to ask you to open your email right now. You should have a message from Eric Hanberg, who is the CEO and president of Channel 253, uh, launching our member-only Slack. And fam, it is jumping. If you go to the Slack uh, right now, you will be able to see Evelyn Lopez doing a Zapruder-film-style breakdown of the Pam Roach votes on the Tacoma Pierce County Health Department. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of the political junkies around the uh, region were holding their breath, watching that uh, 
crazy, insane county council meeting. And uh, Evelyn was able to break down really why she thinks that Pam ended up voting the way she did. For the record, by the way, we, in we invited Pam to be on the show uh, and her office declined. We invited uh, council member Richardson to be on the show and his office declined. And so it was... I'm really glad the vote ended up the way that it did, and I know now about why the vote ended up the way it did, thanks to Evelyn. In addition, if you remember, um, you should also have access to our most recent uh, Off the Record podcast. Producer Doug has a podcast called Off the Record, and he interviews Channel 253 hosts uh, for kind of an extended version of the conversation. And he put out an episode this morning. Uh, we're talking on Saturday, by the way. Today is Saturday, December 19th. He put up so this morning that has a conversation with Hope and I talking about our experience taking the Sinopharm vaccine uh, for COVID-19 here, here in Abu Dhabi. And so if you are interested in reading Evelyn's reporting or hearing that interview, or if you want to support the work we do, again, channel253.com slash membership. All right. With that out of the way, let's get to our conversation with Dave and Carol. Hey, Dave. Hey, Carol. Welcome to the show. I want to get right into it. Uh, what were your expectations walking into MLS Cup last week? Um, I thought okay. we had it. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing I'm as I'm looking back and I'll get more into this later, but going in, I'm like, I was so confident. I'm like, this team is unstoppable. It's the crew. And then word came down that Nagby and Santos are out with COVID, like two of their best players. Like, oh, we're going to roll. This is going to be easy. Yeah. What I was thinking is they had like the easiest possible path to that final. You know, they got right. what was it like the six, seven, eight seed was their route in. And it's like they haven't even been tested yet. We've got this. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> it did not go well. And part of the thing that I really can what I really think gave us a sort of false sense of where we were. It's like, because the season was so weird and because teams were just playing their own little bubbles, their own little like um, sort of local area rivals and only that, it was impossible to tell how good any team was compared to any other. We didn't play any of the teams the crew, crew played, so we don't know how we stacked up against the teams the crew played. So like, yeah. By the eye test, the crew didn't. They they were they were okay. Like they're a good team in the East. You could, and it's not surprising that they made the the final. But they weren't so good that like they would roll us like that. And so, but I think probably we were underselling the rest of the East, and maybe the crew were just a much better team in a conference that we weren't giving credit to. Possibly. So, I I I, I think that I believe that, but also, okay. So here here here's. I, I want to start with like my my statement in Garth. I trust in Schmetzer. I trust mm -hmm. like, OK, co-signed Brian Schmetzer got out coached in the 2017 MLS Cup by Greg, Van, Greg, Greg Vanny. Yes. Brian Schmetzer, I think, coached to a draw and the Sounders got outplayed in the 2016 Cup against Greg Vanny. Caleb Porter outcoached Brian Schmetzer this game. I don't want to hear that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so so here, I, I'm not convinced that the Sounders roster top to bottom is worse than the crew roster, in particular with the crew missing Darlington Nagby. I'm convinced that they out game planned us and we didn't put our best players on the field. Um. 
So there is definitely something to the idea that Brian Schmetzer really likes to roll with the hand he has. Like if you've won, if you've won two games as a starter, even if you're brand new, if you're young, if you're, you know, the less talented of two brothers on a team, shall I say, not, you know, just a <laughs> random assumption. I'm not going to say any names or anything. No, no specifics, but he's going to roll with you. And that might, that, that was probably a mistake on his part, but at the same time, like loyalty from a coach is not a bad um, attribute. Like that's something that is worth having around. I think it's something that served him well and something that has given him as much success as he's had. So like, I think, I think um, Leardom and Svensson, Svensson would be the better choices, but that's a lot easier to say after the game than it is before. But is it? Is it? Because, like, I think we knew that after the second half against Minnesota. Like, when they came in late against Minnesota, like, they they, they changed the game. And, like, I – so Aaron Campo had a great take where he's like, I hope that Brian Schmetzer realizes – this is after the Minnesota game – that the job of the coach is basically to play their best players, not their players who started the last game. So, like, against – so, like, your talk about loyalty to, like, the – and the patterns. Like, the, Leardom is a better player than Alex Roldan. Yeah, True. and I, I, I frustrated. So Carol, Carol, when I talked about Porter out coaching us, you, you were like, "Oh, don't say that." Porter's from Tacoma, you know, born at Madigan Hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Tacoma's least favorite. He doesn't son. even. He doesn't even know where Tacoma is. Um, I here's the thing that Timbers rivalry. It's it's not even about that. Like it's not because he's from the Timbers. It's like I just don't have a lot of respect for Caleb Porter. Not necessarily as a coach, but as a person. Like a lot of his, um, when he was at the Timbers, he would blame referees. He would blame the other team. Like he just couldn't accept a loss. Um, and so I just, I don't have a lot of respect there. And so when you talk about him, you know, out coaching Brian Schmetzer, like, ugh, it's, it's a really hard truth to accept because I just don't like the guy and I don't want that to be true. There's no like soccer specific reason. It's just personal feelings. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, like, I, I, Here's the thing is like I know the game enough to know when things are wrong and like when what's what we're doing isn't working. I don't know the game enough to know uh, what the fix is sometimes. So like in 2017, Vanny rolled at that box midfield and like they were killing us in the midfield. We couldn't possess the ball and like we got smoked. Uh, this time around, they were pressing us off the field and we had no way of breaking the press. And I, I like like I – it's frustrating to me because like I, I feel like we were on the precipice of like having a like – a really, really special moment. And it's still a special team. And I would not trade the last five years for any other record. Like I would much rather be a Sounders fan than anybody else. Like all those superlatives, all that, all that, all that. But also like, I can't, I can't not be disappointed by that loss. Yeah. And it, it was highly disappointing. And like, I, I went back and reviewed the goals and like our defense just got beat, like yeah. outrun. They're out of position. It was just bad like Dave and I say a lot about how good defense is invisible because when it's working you just don't notice it working it's just the ball doesn't end up on that end of the field a lot and it was all we're all still there waiting for, yeah. yeah we're all waiting for Joven to rotate still it's like Joven rotate Joven rotate rotate <laughs> yeah um for, for you all this season has just been weird in general like 
What has been your approach to MLS and soccer in general, given like what's happening in the world? Um, I barely watched soccer this year. I didn't have the brain space for it through the summer. Um, I got kind of sick in October. So like the fact that I even watched the MLS cup at all was like, that's what I could muster. Um, And, you know, I'm going to let Dave talk about like the, like, why are you guys even playing? Why not just take a year off? So. Yeah. Yeah. And that was generally my take. Like, I, there were some great moments. There are a lot of things to enjoy about this season. And, you know, speaking of great takes by Aaron Campo, uh, one he mentioned was that this is he's forever going to be mad that he did not get to see this team in a normal season because this is one of the best rosters the Sanders have ever put together. Like, this is one of the most talented attacking teams. They were fun to watch. They put their, they put their entire front three on the best 11. Like, how amazing is that? And we we only got to see them play the Timbers 50,000 times and play San Jose and RSL. Like... <laughs> We we got to got so little, and honestly, I wish they yeah I wish they'd taken the year off. I think there the upside is so low, and the downside is so big. Like yeah, we I, a lot of players got COVID, and we don't know what the long term effect is that of that is going to be. There could be some players whose careers end it because their lungs don't work the same way they used to because this this disease. They could have killed somebody. Like, they could have killed a player. They could have killed a coach. I mean, I know, like, sports is such a big business and, it, like, it's a, such an important part of culture. Like, you know, there's a reason that we did a podcast on soccer for four years because we love this stuff and it is really important. And it's not, like, it's not just a distraction. It is more than that. But it's also, I feel like, if there were, like, a version of Maslow's hierarchy of needs for culture sports would be way at the top. This is one of the last things that you should be doing. You need to take care of all the regular fundamental foundational issues before you start worrying about putting players on a field to play a game. So, yeah, I really wish this league had just said, you know what, we don't want to be a part of this. Go home, be safe, fans be safe. We will come back next year. Yeah, yeah. We we saw how ridiculous the Pac-12 football season ended up. So, like, if you don't follow college football, if I have this right, the University of Washington won the Pac-12 North. But because of COVID cases on the team, did not travel to the conference title game. So Oregon went to the conference title game and won the Pac-12 championship without winning their division. And now the Huskies are turning down going to a bowl because of COVID. And so, like... Pac-12 played a abbreviated season that basically like existed to spread COVID around the country or around the region. And so that's frustrating to think about. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to say props <laughs> to the non-teacher for name dropping Maslow in this conversation. <laughs> I'm around smart people. It helps. All right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk through our moments of the year. Um, I have a collection of moments that are mainly Sounders central. You all uh, avoid being a Sounders podcast and have some more MLS uh, central things. But like, let's talk through this. Uh, Carol, let's start with you. What was your number three moment of the year? Um, I would say my number three moment of the year is probably uh, the union getting the supporter shield. Um, 
so I have followed the union as my emergency backup team since 2016 when Dave and I started um, our podcast, uh, just because I researched them for like one of our first three episodes. They have a soft spot in my heart because of everything they went through with Peter Novak. Um, their dupe dupe song slaps harder than it should. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and just, it's, it's also ridiculous that this is their first tr- trophy they've they've been second place in three u.s open cups and then sebastian latou won the fair play award in like 2010 and 2011 which if anything has ever sounded like a participation trophy it's that but it actually goes to the player who has like the least number of fouls and cards and all of that so like kudos to him but like this is literally their first ever trophy as a team and i just want to like walk across the country and pinch their little cheeks because that's real sweet so so in philadelphia did the whole thing with like growing their own kids through the academy and selling them on like they're they're becoming the model franchise for youth development dave you want to say well i just want to say there is a conversation that has been going on and i think it's worth having of like does this support shield get an asterisk because the season is so weird and I am of the opinion of, you know what? It's not Philly's fault. They played what was in front of them. They were a good team. And they all they could do, and this is a discussion we've had before about like when you compare MLS to Premier League and people say, you know, this league is worthless, blah, blah, blah. It's like all you can do is play what's in front of you. And so I say congratulations to Philly. Props, salute. They deserve 100% all of the all of the um, joy that they are getting out of this. And I'm just really glad that they, they got it. So bravo to them. Yeah. Um, I also say no asterisks and I have the math to back it up, but we'll save that for my number two. Okay. Um, <laughs> Dave, what was your number three? Uh, my number three is Chicharito sucks. <laughs> <laughs> what a uh, disappointment Javier Hernandez was. My God. <laughs> and it's just funny because it's like, Right now, the Sounders are sort of like running the league. Like we are, we are what the Galaxy were in the early teens, and it's real fun to watch. And it's so weird to watch LA struggle year after year after year, and just like they they just never recovered losing Bruce Arena. But the idea that they had because they had something at least real fun to watch last year in Zlatan, like weird ninja back kick goals and like shots from 40 yards out making poor Tyler Miller look embarrassed as hell and all that. You're welcome indeed. (laughs) Exactly. And and the attitude, which was both problematic, but also hugely entertaining and all that stuff. For sure. And they lose him and they bring in Chicharito, which, which was supposed to be like, like for like replacement. And man, how did this guy ever be successful in like the biggest clubs in the world? Cause he's awful. Like he's just not a good player. <laughs> well, and he's also the highest paid player in the league. And so, so part of it, part of it's on the coach, right? Because like the scheme that they're asking him to do is not a scheme that sets him up for success. Like he's not Zlatan. And like you said, they try to plug and play for Zlatan. He's more like a Chris Wondolowski poacher, but there's nobody giving the service that Wondolowski gets in LA. And so, yeah, absolute flop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Carol, do you have thoughts on Javier Hernandez's performance here in MLS? 
Uh, I can't say that I have watched his performance here in MLS, so I will not say a thing. It's so interesting to watch how fans in Mexico have turned. Like if Ch if, if Chicharito would have went to Chivas instead, like he'd never go to America, but like if he's playing in, down in Mexico and had, well, I, okay, so I think that he would be performing better if he was there than he is here, like for service and coaching reasons, but like fans have turned on him in a way, but like you know that if he goes down there, they're going to turn back the other way. Like he's basically set up for the redemption tour at this point. All right. So my number three is a roster move for the, Sounder, for, for the Sounders, and I think it's the signing of Jao Paulo. Like, that dude is sneaky good, sneaky, sneaky good. And yeah, one of the things about the Sounders that really concerns me is the number of yards or meters or miles, whatever, that Nico puts on his body. And I'm hoping that next season we'll see Jao Paulo covering a little more territory and also moving up a line and maybe playing in the attacking third instead of playing so deep because, like, that guy can ball. Like, he can win a ball in midfield. He can uh, string a good pass. He can hit the long diagonals. Like, he is that – he's frankly like that missing cog that the U.S. national team has or, or, or like that hole they have. Uh, like, Jao Paulo can straight ball. He can ball. He can ball. And the fact that we went to Brazil and Botafogo and brought him up, uh, even though we're trying to be cheapskates now on resigning him, uh, like, I'm totally down with him. Totally down. Um, we have a Facebook messenger thread with the people who sit around us at games, and they've been talking a lot about Nico being re-signed and just how the number of, like you said, you know, units of distance uh, mm -hmm. that he puts on his legs, those legs cannot survive this much longer. They were talking about how like they're, they're off traveling. They're at a hotel. Chad Marshall gets up for ice in the middle of the night and finds Nico on a treadmill. Like he, it's not just that he plays that hard. He trains that hard and yeah. you can't do that forever. So yeah, someone who can come in and take that burden is huge. That's well, also part of the reason why I like Christian Roldan playing central instead of on the wing is that he can do some of that running as, instead as well. Dave, you were going to say? Well, and that's exactly where I was going to go because kind of the big question is like, I think, and this is getting a little into the uh, ro future roster conversation, but I think that the front six of the team are is pretty well set. And the only real question is, do you put Christian on the wing and then bring in like an Aussie type real number six defensive midfielder so that Jao Paulo can sort of play further up the field, and not have so much defensive responsibility. That way you can keep Nico further up the field. Like it just rolls all the way up forward or you put Christian next to Jao Paulo and they work real well together and you get that flashy winger that we've been dying for, for a long time. Like that's a real fun look it could go either way, and I think both could work really well if you find the right guy. Yeah, I like the latter option, but the latter option, I think, suggests that Svensson is done. Uh, and I, I really enjoy the way Svensson plays and what Svensson brings to the table. But I also know that like our time with him is limited, and he might want to head back to Sweden by now. So. I, think, uh, I, I also think it's, uh, the team doesn't have the money to keep him. He's a pretty expensive player, and it's like he's... He's unfortunately like right in that space where it's like the cost that we, the money we save versus what he brings to the fields, right? Kind of in the middle. And it's, he's probably mm. going to be sacrificed to that. Yeah. I saw that Joven Jones was on half a million dollars this year. If you take that Joven Jones and Miguel Ibarra money and put it together, that's your winger to go out and sign if they do it. So, mm -hmm. Carol, your number two story. Uh, my number two story is COVID basically ravaging the Colorado Rapids. Um, 
And this is why I think Philadelphia earned their supporter shields. So like, sorry, I math things a lot. Let me walk you through this. Um, Colorado had a pretty hot start to their season and then their momentum ended because COVID and they did not do well in the MLS's back tournament, but then they were starting to get momentum again until September 23rd when they lost 31 days of play. Um, and they had 18 uh, five players and 13 staff actually come down with COVID, including the head coach. Like just, it hit them so hard. Um, and because this happened so late in the season, they had four games that they just couldn't do makeup games for. Like you just can't jam them into the schedule. And so if anything is going to impact like the authenticity of the supporter shield or whatever, I think it's that. I think it's the fact that the Western Conference didn't play a whole season, but I ran some numbers. So here's what it is. Everyone in the Eastern Conference played their full 23 games. Um, the Western Conference, you have six teams that didn't get the full 23 games. Colorado only got 18 of them. And so if Colorado had, best case scenario, won their four remaining games, which was entirely possible, like sort of the last thing they did before COVID happened was like spanked San Jose 5-0, which, okay, it's San Jose, but still. Um so if they'd won all four games, they would have come out as 12, four and six, which would have put them all the way up to second in the Western Conference, which kicks absolutely no one out of the playoffs because they sent too many teams to the playoffs this year. And so Kansas City missed two games. They only played 21. And so they finished at 12, three and six. If they had won their two missing games, 14, three and six still doesn't beat the union. So like, honestly, like as much as it seems, and it is a really big deal, you know, 18 players or 18 people who get COVID is nothing to, you know, cough at. Um, but honestly, like when it comes to the numbers, it didn't really make a difference to the season, I guess is what I'm saying. Sorry, I'm laughing at nothing to cough at. That, thank you. Thank good. you. I appreciate it. I'm glad you picked up on that. <laughs> well, and, am I mistaken? Didn't the state of Colorado actually come in and shut the team down? Like it was that bad? Wasn't that what happened? I it didn't look that far in if, to who shut them down, but it was definitely like they weren't allowed to train for a while. Just it's it was, Yeah. Well, and going back to the point I'd made about um, the Sounders and how mad we are about like how good this roster was and we didn't see them in a real season, how mad are Colorado fans? Because that was a good team. And I didn't know it until they finally got healthy again and started playing those last few games. And they were just killing people out there. They were, my, the Sounders went to Colorado and just got spanked because those guys were, they were solid defensively. Like they were real tough to break down and they were sneaky good in attack. Like that team could have been a lot of fun to watch this year yeah they're gonna be dangerous next for sure all right so we'll take a break here and when we come back we're gonna come back with our number ones our player of the year our superlatives and also some uh wishes for next year that we're gonna lovingly call rosterbation so we'll be back <laughs> this is eric hanberg host of the channel 253 podcast we art to come words mean things that's what Pacific Lutheran University challenges me and you to think about in our everyday speech. 
When I speak to you or a guest over the podcast, the words I choose have impact, either positive or negative. Words have history, and when we choose to use them, we have to own their meaning and their effect on the people listening. My language, my choice. PLU is asking us to go deep on words like anti-racist or decolonize, and to think about what those words truly mean. Then, once you understand them, let's talk about how you can put words into action. What can you do to live up to the word anti-racist? How can you decolonize your entertainment, or even how you introduce yourself? These are big questions. To get ideas on how to answer them, and to find questions about other important words, visit plu.edu slash words mean things to learn more. My sincere thanks to Pacific Lutheran University for sponsoring Channel 253 and for doing exactly what universities should be doing right now with this campaign. And we are back. I would like to thank you for downloading the show today and giving us a listen. Um, I want to take a moment just to thank some folks for joining Channel 253 and supporting us. Uh, thank you, Brian Flint. Thank you, Susanna Painter. Thank you, Susan Alexander. Thank you, Holly Bamford. And thank you, Philip Cowan from The Grand Cinema. Your support makes this possible. Uh, if you would like to join Channel 253, it is channel253.com slash membership, $4 a month and $40 a year. All right, let's get back to it. Uh, Dave, I'm terrible at mathematics and left you out for your number two. Uh, Dave, what was your number two story of the year? Um, coaches. And for me, like coaches is always a thing. It's always entertaining. But like we lost two coaches that I think were like I never imagined we'd lose, which is number one, Greg Vanny, who like Toronto was not bad this year. And Toronto nope. have been as good in the East as the Sounders have been in the West over the last five years. Like and as, as I understand it, like it's Greg Vanny's decision. The team did not fire him. He actually decided to move on. Shocking. I, I don't know what he's going to do from here on out. I bet he's angling for that LA Galaxy job, but like I am shocked. And I'm wondering, like, if you remember Toronto in the early days, they went through what, like 10 coaches in eight years? Like they were mm -hmm. so bad for so long until Greg Vanny came along. Are they going to fall back into that? Are they going to, if they, if they choose poorly, you know, their fans are going to get real gun shy about like, oh God, here, come, here comes again, you know, all these great names that just like, fizzle out you know paul mariner there's a great plan come on um so i i'm just shocked by the greg vanny one and then of course the real mind blower the one that if anything is going to get a special episode of hands-free football which is still not yeah i was table. waiting for this man i was so disappointed i was like come on bring it back for this bring it back go ahead the, i'm gonna clear the lane go ahead the end of the ben olsen list <laughs> We, we still have to put together that list, but man, we first predicted Ben Olsen would get fired four years ago, or was it three years ago, when he had two wins in a season, and they did not get rid of him. And then he came back, and he actually justified that decision by getting him back in the playoffs, and, you know, when the year Wayne Rooney was there, it's like, my God, why, and why now? Like, why this year does anything count? Like for me, it's like if you stuck through ben, with Ben Olsen through everything over the last 10 years, I don't know how you can count anything that happened this year against him, but apparently he did. And so, yeah, Ben Olsen is finally out in D.C. 
Wait, of an Carol, era. could you explain for the audience what the Ben Olsen <laughs> list is? Because it's yes. one of my favorite gimmicks you've had on your show. Yeah. So the Ben Olsen list. So as Dave said, we predicted Ben Olsen was going to get fired what feels like a zillion years ago. And then we started keeping track of all the coaches who got fired before Ben Olsen got fired. And there are some names on that list. I think, you know, Pablo Mastroianni, Ziggy Schmidt, like there's twice. (laughs) There are names on that list. Hands-free football is on the Ben Olsen (laughs) ended our podcast before he got fired. And so it's just, that's what the Ben Olsen list is people who lost their jobs before Ben Olsen did, so. Well, and the thing is, so Ben Olsen was the longest tenured coach in the league for a team that never did anything good. And it's like, <laughs> like that was a mediocre ass franchise with a mediocre run that just went on and on and on. And yeah, to Dave's point, like why this year? Like the world is burning, like games getting canceled left and right. Like it's a pandemic and this is the year you pull the trigger on them instead of, <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane um, by the way for those keeping score on the numbers my number two was also COVID related which is why I skipped myself so now we're going to our number one story of the season uh, Carol to you yes um, my sorry flipping pages my number one story this season is Alexi Lawless getting cyber bullied by Brian Schmetzer's mom which I think, Nate, you will particularly appreciate. Um, So here's the thing. Despite me coming with all the numbers about Colorado's season and whether or not that was going to have an impact on, you know, the validity of the Supporter Shield, I'm not a real journalist. So this is all based on gossip and speculation and honestly, my own fantasies. So here's what happened. Um, During the December 3rd pregame show, they started speculating because Brian Schmetzer was going to be out of contract. And so there's the question about, should the Sounders re-sign him? Yes, they should. Uh, Would anyone else pick him up? And even Dave and I were talking about, like, Schmetz is a really great coach. Why does no one outside of Seattle recognize his quality? And then Alexi Lawless came along and basically said, you got to ask yourself, is he, and I'm not actually quoting him directly because I don't care that much, but along the lines of, is he a good coach or is he just a good coach in Seattle? Basically, would he be successful anywhere but here? And he goes on to say, I'd have to think about it long and hard before signing him elsewhere. And so now we go and fight Alexi Lawless in the streets because how very dare you? Um So that's what he said during the December 3rd pregame show. And Schmitz came out and said, I mean, he can have an opinion. My mom's really upset about this. And it's just like super sweet and adorable. Uh, And then I'm watching at halftime during the MLS Cup. And suddenly Alexi Lawless is just talking about how great Brian Schmetzer is as a coach and how wonderful. And any team would be looking to have him. And he name drops Ursula Schmetzer, like five times about how great of a lady (laughs) she is and how sad he was to upset her like that. And it's like, Ursula Schmetzer is on Twitter. She only has three tweets, but I am willing to bet that there is some DM conversation between the two of them (laughs) that is just nasty. And so that is, that is my number one for the year. 
<laughs> Dave, I don't think you can top that, but go ahead, man. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's real tough to follow. I'm actually uh, leaving MLS for my top story of the year because I want to talk about my double standard. Um, the NWSL Challenge Cup, which also happened this summer concurrently with the MLS is back, which is, and by the way, I want to throw out a joke that I read on Twitter that I think needs recognition is why they did not call it the Mickey Mouse Cup for the Mickey Mouse League. They really missed some branding opportunity there, but <laughs> NWSL, man, you got to let that laugh out. You got to let people hear that. Day. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to hold it. <laughs> but uh, the, I, I am of the opinion that MLS should have just called it a season, wrapped up everything and called it good for a year. NWSL does. I don't believe the same thing. And it's a double standard. I will admit to the double standard, but I say it's a double or but I say it's true because I love NWSL and I love the fact that like we have a women's league that has been somewhat stable. It is still in that place that MLS was in the late nineties, where it's like every sure. year it's kind of like real nervous. Like, is this really gonna keep going? Okay, we have our feet under us, we've gotten through a few seasons, but I am so nervous about the future of NWSL. And this year is the exact sort of thing that could torpedo that league and make it fold. And so whatever they need to do to bring in some revenue to get themselves on TV, that aired on CBS. That was amazing, and I absolutely love that that was available. And trying to trying to like really play into the post World Cup year, and anything they can do. And actually, I'm real excited. I actually have read that the Challenge Cup is going to continue. It's going to become their U.S. Open Cup, their League Cup, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, when when our ticket rep, because we have rain season tickets, and our ticket rep called us to ask us what if we would like a refund, if we would like to roll over to next year, etc. I straight out says like, can you just keep it and then I'll buy next year's? Like you guys, whatever money you need, take it. I'm fine. And she's like, we'll just roll over for next year. But thanks for the <laughs> offer. But yeah, that so the NWSL tournament was so good and so important and i just i am so nervous about the future of that league well so here's the thing though is i don't think you have a double standard because nwsl and in the nwa no and the nba played in a bubble mm. and the sports that played and stayed in a bubble had zero cases of covid transmission within the bubbles and so the players in the nwsl and the nba went to utah and orlando respectively and they stayed there Unlike college football, unlike the NFL, unlike MLS, which spread COVID all over the country, basically, like they did it the right way and they did the bubble and it worked. And so that's not a double standard at all, man. All right. All right. Well, and just go out and watch your NWSL team. That's the advice I can give to any listeners. Like, just go support that league. It's awesome. It's as good as any league in the world. It is better. Like, Compared to the standard of soccer that you're going to get in MLS, which I don't get me wrong, I love MLS, but NWSL is a top tier team or league in the world. It's the Premier League, it's Bundesliga, and it's right here in your backyard. Go watch it. For sure, for sure. So now for my number one story, uh, my number one story is <laughs> back to Brian Schmetzer. Brian Schmetzer and the Seattle Sounders beats the LAFC 3-1 ah. in the playoffs again. Ah again like 
Bob Bradley is the former coach of the U.S. men's national team, is this highly regarded soccer genius. He coached in the Premier League. He coached uh, the Egyptian national team. Like he is viewed as like the greatest American soccer coach. And Brian Schmetzer snatches <laughs> his lunch money every time. And I love it. I love it. I love it. And I love that like not only does Schmetzer snatch his lunch money, but Schmetzer talks shit too. So like <laughs> last season, I feel better off than Bob. Amazing. I this season, like I, I am just... Yeah, I, I'm just here for it. I'm here for it. And so, like, I'm disappointed about MLS Cup, but, like, the fact that we beat LA 3-1, to one, like, fine. I'm totally fine with it. Fine with it. <laughs> I think we keep doing to LAFC what the Galaxy did to us. Um, yep. Yeah, and it's just, it. you know, it's not the same team, but it's the same area, and it just feels right. So. <laughs> no, you, you, you nailed it earlier on. Like, essentially, like, we are the Galaxy of the early 2010s, and... Uh, Rui Diaz is Robbie Keane, and like it's just it, it is what it is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It, um, speak. I'm hoping that that come the like we can roll this for a couple more years, and three one to LAFC becomes Dosa Cero to Mexico. <laughs> that would that would make in an alternate that. timeline, <laughs> in an alternate timeline without COVID. Uh, Hope and I were supposed to go when we were back in the states for the summer to the Sounders was LAFC like away and. That would have been a three-one victory, obviously, but like life intervened. Mm. All right. So the next thing we're going to talk about is player of the year. Uh, Carol, who is your Sounders player of the year this year and why? Um, I went with Gustav Svensson. Um, and to be honest, it's because I didn't watch a lot of MLS this year because my brain was elsewhere. It's been a hard year, man. Um, but I did watch playoffs. I watched the game against Minnesota and I watched the MLS Cup and Goose just delivered, um, especially against Minnesota. Like you mentioned it earlier, game changer. Um, and <clears throat> sorry, uh, he was coming back from COVID when he played in that game. Like it's just talk about clutch you know it's just the timing was right and you know he it, it, again like i don't I, I didn't bring the numbers on this one i just have what's in my heart so goose well and it's worth pointing out that he contracted covid on international duty as did Rui Diaz. And so we talked about how much COVID spread throughout the season, but to the Sounders credit, those transmissions were not within the Sounders camp. They did a good job of containing the virus. Yeah. Uh, Dave, for you, player of the year. I gotta go Jordan Morris, and it's kind of a wider context than just the Sounders, not that he wasn't fantastic for the Sounders this year, but MLS best 11. And I look back at his career and I think of like all the hope coming out of college and the big decision of go to Germany or stay in the U.S. and all the flack he took and the attitude of like people, you know, uh, Jermaine Jones making fun of him for um, wanting to sp be around his dog as if like family concerns are not a reason that everyone makes career decisions in the world and all this crap. And then follow that up with a torn ACL and losing an entire season. That's the type of stuff that derails entire careers. Like that's the type of stuff where you're going to have a guy who's a journeyman who's making $250,000 a year at 30 years old. And everyone looks back like, God, remember how big, big of a deal he was supposed to be. And Jordan came through all of that. And he is now as big of a deal as he's supposed to be. And he did it here. And he is a penciled in starter for the national team. Still, when you got some major names playing for major teams in Europe 
And when you look at like the starting 11, like you got Pulisic, you got McKenney, you got uh, Sargent, you got all these big guys who are playing all these big teams in Europe and you got Jordan Morris right there with them has to be a part of that team. He's that good. And I think he has justified every decision he's made and I can't be prouder of him. I think that we there's a well. Let me ask you actually before I pontificate. Do you think that we've seen the last of Jordan Morris in a, on a Sounders jersey? Uh, I think if he's going to leave, he's going to leave now. Um, mm-hmm. If he doesn't leave now, he's probably going to be a career Sounder. Um, it's like he's 25 now. It's like he's in that prime of his career. He's in that time where he can make that move where uh, his value is probably at his highest. You go two more years and suddenly he's 27 and I don't think he's going to get the interest. He's not going to get the type of money that he will actually um, really convince him to go. And so if he doesn't go now, I I think he's going to be a guy who's going to be with this team until he's 35. But I think there's a very good possibility he does go now. Carol, you, you recoiled at the thought of Morris leaving. I just like him a lot and I want him to stay. I think one of my favorite things about him, honestly, is how every time he scores a goal, he doesn't look like he's having any fun. It's funny to me. (laughs) For the record, I asked uh, listeners who their player of the year was, and they agreed with me that it's the man, the myth, the legend, the Uruguayan uh, groundskeeper who just maintains and maintains Nico Ladero. Like... Nico Ladero is I, I I am still blown away that throughout this run of Sounders domination of the league that he's basically been nowhere near top three for MVP and Ladero's passing Ladero's defensive work especially on the ball to me like like with when he is off the field like this team is totally different and not in a good way not in a good way at all. Yeah, I think, oh, sorry, I wanted to say, I think he suffers a little bit from, like I said, the concept earlier about good defense is invisible. He doesn't just do defense. He kind of does everything, but he does it invisibly because he does it well. And so to some Mm. extent, you might not notice it till he's gone because he's just everywhere taking care of business. So it's striking for me to think about how much the team struggled like how we couldn't beat LA, all those things. Like Nico Ladero arrived in 2016 and the Sounders 2016 to today are a completely different organization. And when Nico Ladero leaves, there'll be a totally different organization again and not for the better unless they replace him with like Iniesta and Iniesta is older than me. So that's not going to happen. <laughs> all right. So our last thing we're going to do is superlatives. So these are end of the season awards that we want to give to players. Uh, Dave, your superlative. I'll start with you. Okay. I'm giving out the uh, keep shooting. You'll get it one of these days to New Who. I love the fact that New Who is like the most confident player on the field, and he has no reason to be when it comes to his attack. His shots are <laughs> awful. His positioning is terrible. He can't volley. He can't do a long shot. He can't He can't get close enough box for a header because it's not his position, and he's going to try anyway. And one of these days, this man is going to actually get a goal, and I will lose my mind. It will be the greatest Absolutely. moment in team history. No. If I, I'm actually glad that Nuhu did not score this year because Sounderdom and the world deserves a Nuhu goal with a full stadium. Absolutely. When Nuhu scores, 
there will be seats that fly out of ECS. <laughs> like I'm telling you right now. Uh, Carol, your superlative? Um, I want to give Impact Player of the Year, not to the Roldan, but to a Roldan. Um, and this is Impact Player of the Year, sort of the way, and I can't believe I'm about to Godwin's Law this. Um, Hitler was Time's Person of the Year. It's not a compliment. It's just, <laughs> boy, howdy, you made an impact that people are not going to forget. And yeah, going down in infamy. And here's the thing. I just went and I reviewed all three goals in the MLS Cup. And rolled <sighs> It wasn't Alex Roldan alone. Like he was not the sure. only failure. I just think it was happening in his neighborhood most of the time. And the one where he got beat the most soundly, I think um, it was uh, Etienne. It was the second goal, I think. Mm -hmm. um, he was covering Jesse Zardes, which is a decision I cannot fault him for. So it was, I think, just like a general collapse. But Alex Roldan's going to take a lot of the blame from fans for a long time. So, yeah. Well, here's the thing. To, to me, he is a solid backup right back. And honestly, here's, here's the deal. It's like he came up as a midfielder and could not win a place in midfield. Schmetzer put him out wide and said, you need to learn right back. And he's learned right back and he's serviceable. But if you have Kelvin Leardom on the bench and you're giving Kelvin Leardom Tam money, you don't start Alex Roldan. And... Caleb Porter saw we started rolled on and ran yeah, the attack yeah. right down, right, right at him. And like, that's, that's shame on Smets, shame on Alex, but also like, I'm excited to see that Alex, okay. Our two outside backs. I'm hoping that Alex and Nuhu both learn from MLS cup and are better next year because of it. We're going to close with a bit of rosterbation and talk about like needs for the roster. Uh, Dave, you kind of had a mind meld with me earlier on in the game, earlier on in the, in the show, talking about like, do we go out and sign a defensive midfielder or do we sign a winger? You and I, I think both think that we should sign a winger. So like, I want to kind of put that position to the side. Okay. Y'all, what do you think are the other needs for the roster? Where do you see room for improvement? Hmm. I, and this is somewhat controversial opinion. I'm not sold on Ariaga. His upside is big, but dude can make some mistakes. And sure. having it, maybe I'm spoiled having Chad Marshall there for five years, like really makes me feel nervous. Or particularly having Chad Marshall and Roman Torres together makes it made me real comfortable with my defense for a long time. Jamar, I think, is amazing. I think he's one of the better center backs in the league right now. Shane O'Neill's a serviceable, you know, MLS journeyman. That's, you know, he's fine, but he's not blowing anyone's mind. Ariaga has both a higher, higher upside and a lower downside than Shane O'Neill. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I think we could improve at center back. Interesting to Carol's point earlier on about defense, like going unsaid, I'm going to argue that Yamar was probably the signing of the year and we have not mentioned his name once until this moment. Fair, fair. I... He just went out and did the job, did the job, did the job, did the job, did the job. Carol, where do you see some needs? Uh, what do you think are the holes in the roster? Um, to be honest, I am terrible at the rosterbation conversation. I'm really more of a historian and a statistician. So I... I can't even BS my way through this conversation, to be honest. <laughs> so I, 
I decline. Thank you, though. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I, so I started the show off by saying in Garth I Trust, in uh, Schmetz I Trust. I also have questions about a team that has one, two, three, four natural left backs on the roster. So you have Brad Smith, you have uh, Joven Jones, you have the guy that we traded Bawana for whose name escapes me, and then you uh, have New York. So you have four left backs. Right. And then you have one right back and then a converted right back in Alex Roldan. I, I want to see, I think we need to offload one of the left backs and we need to bring in some talent and competition at right back. And I also, Dave, not along with your concerns about Adiaga, uh, I think that Shane O'Neill is a fine third center back who's starting a spot, a spot starter, but I don't think he is the anchor of a cup winning team. Right. Also, I'm not necessarily convinced on the winger. I actually disagree with you on that. I think if you find the right, if you find Ozzy again, like somebody who can play defensive midfield on that level, you get that. Yeah. And then Christian Roldan can be your winger and that will work real well. All right, so we're out now looking for the third Diego Chara sibling, the third Chara sibling. All right. <laughs> I want to thank you both for coming on the show today and being a part of this. Uh, I miss you all in the community, and I miss your show. Uh, I think you all have some really great takes, and I just love talking to you all. If people want to follow you on the socials, where should they look? Um, they can follow our uh, Twitter, Hands Free Football. It's pretty quiet these days, but every once in a while we'll throw some hot takes out there and everything like that. I even... Uh, after the game, because here's the thing about my take on MLS Cup. This season in general feels like house money. So it just did not feel as weighty as anything. Like when we lost to Toronto, I was in the funk for a week. I walked away yeah. from this game like we got stomped. Good for Columbus. And I sent out the picture of us wearing, crew, uh, you know, construction hats at the field in support of the Save the Crew movement uh, two years ago and threw that up there because, you know, hey, it is what it is. Is the season was a mess. I don't think should have happened anyway. Congratulations, to the crew. I can walk away happy. And so, that's kind of like the stuff you'll see on our Twitter. It's handsfree footy or at handsfree footy on Twitter. And then Carol, can you share your uh, Twitter account that you run on the DL? Oh golly. Um, so here's yes, it's at CZ Bras. That's C E E Z E E B R A H. It's out of context Tacoma. Uh, you will notice it's been silent lately because I deleted the Twitter app from my phone at some point this year, which is the second best decision I've ever made for my mental health <laughs> after deleting the Facebook app from my phone. So um, I might come back to it eventually, but I don't know when. So. You're, you're, you're what I overheard at the red hot tweets were always my favorite thing. So, uh, <laughs> again, thank you for coming on. Uh, take care of yourselves. Wakanda forever, y'all. Wash your damn hands, wear a mask, get a vaccine, stupid, get a vaccine. Channel 253 is a member supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Hey, Dave. Hey, K oh, hold on. <laughs> Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Are Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B-Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.